Welcome back to another Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five things you should know about. We are halfway through the month of July. Certification for all things AEP is gearing up, and we've also seen a lot of coverage on something called the ACA subsidy cliff in the news recently. That is where we start our list this week. Number one, time is ticking for Congress to make a decision on whether or not they will extend the ACA premium tax credits included in the American Rescue Plan Act. Those subsidies are set to run out at the end of this year. And while that may seem like a lot of time for those not in the industry, we know otherwise. Calculations for premiums and rates associated with coverage year 2023 are already taking place. Risk assessments are being completed, and from the reports that have been rolling in, without those premium subsidies, it's not looking good. But putting cost aside for the moment, Democrats have been trying to push legislation through that would extend these subsidies. All of those attempts have been sidelined. One of the most notable, the Build Back Better Act, H.R. 5376. We followed its progress right up to it being sidelined, mainly because of its large price tag, but also some of the content of the bill as well. Now, rewind to those subsidies being put into place and record enrollment coming into the marketplace. Those 14.5 million beneficiaries now face increased health insurance costs alongside high inflation. In March of this year, the Department of Health and Human Services published a report projecting the effects of not renewing the ACA subsidies. And just a quick note here, in that analysis, the total number of people enrolled in the individual market was estimated at 19.6 million. The 14.5 million beneficiaries is the number of people who have signed up since those subsidies were put into place. Now, their estimate in this report showed that about 8.9 million beneficiaries would see a drop in their subsidy amount, but they would still qualify for some other subsidies. This particular group, 8.9 million beneficiaries, their cost is set to go up on average per year, $400.06 per person. And then 1.5 million beneficiaries are set to lose all of their subsidy money. For those, HHS predicted a $3,277 reduction in subsidies per person per year. For this group, though, HHS predicts that they will be able to find alternative coverage. But what about those who would not be able to find coverage? The HHS analysis projects that 3 million people or 15% of the total ACA individual marketplace population, would drop their coverage altogether. So that's on a national level. The report did go a bit more granular, taking a look at the states that would be most affected by the ACA subsidies not being extended. Those states include California, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, 
Pennsylvania, and Texas. Add up the beneficiaries who will be affected in those states, and you get 7.7 million beneficiaries. So those are just some of the implications of subsidy loss for ACA beneficiaries. The costs that we mentioned, and then the potential for changes in enrollment. Now, let's get into number two on our list, which could also be called part two of our ACA subsidy extension saga. What about projections on cost? And this is where it gets a bit dicey, because the loss of subsidies is only one part of the cost equation when it comes to insurance. In addition to the loss of subsidies, there's inflation, a rise in the cost of labor, All of those translate into higher rates for beneficiaries. And then decreases in enrollment make risk pools smaller and not as healthy, which also translates to a rise in cost. And we've seen this problem before. Unfortunately, as I mentioned previously, time is running out for Congress to act in a meaningful way. That's because deadlines for plan details, including rate changes, have already passed in some states. Those have already been filed. And for those states on the federally facilitated marketplace, the August 17th deadline is looming. Once those rates are set, carriers begin creating those enrollment packets that must inform beneficiaries about premium increases and plan changes. From what has been projected so far, there are increases across the board that are going to drive that premium price up. And that's before we add in losing the subsidies that help beneficiaries pay for coverage. It is not a good combination. In West Virginia, it's been reported that residents will see an average premium increase of $1,536 per person in 2023. That's according to the National Academy for State Health Policy, which also predicts that 65,000 enrollees in Connecticut will see their subsidies decreased or eliminated. They also project that 8% of enrollees in Washington, D.C. may drop their coverage. And then in Maryland, premium spending could increase to the tune of 47%. Needless to say, there is a lot riding on whether or not Congress decides to take up this issue and how they plan to move forward. As I mentioned, there has been a lot of press covering this issue, most of it current, but some does date back to May and earlier of this year. We've certainly covered it quite a bit, and we will keep reporting back as we learn more. Also, Shout out to our ACA specialist, Danica Stover, for her help in keeping me up to speed on this information as it comes to light. Number three, we've long known 911 as the number to call for emergencies. Beginning on July 16th, there is a similarly easy-to-remember number to call in the case of mental health emergencies. 988 the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline number goes live tomorrow. The service behind the number has been available for a long time, previously in the form of an 800 number, as well as an online resource. 
the rebrand shortens the number to an easy-to-remember three-digit number, 988, while also expanding on the resources offered to those who reach out. Probably the biggest difference between this new number and calling 911 is that callers will be connected with someone who has been trained to deal with mental health emergencies. And the hotline is available to everyone. It's completely free, it's confidential, and officials want you to know that it is a place that you can turn to if you've been through a traumatic event. If you want to call on behalf of a friend or loved one, if you are struggling with a mental health issue, even if you're unsure of what you're feeling and what you should do about it, they want you to call. This is designed to be a resource in a time when mentally our world is processing all sorts of traumas. And it's not easy to see a therapist these days between insurance cost, and availability of appointments. The 988 hotline is a resource that you can use, and officials and experts in all capacities related to the resource want you to utilize it. That's what it's designed for and why it was expanded. We will have the link to the official Crisis Hotline website in our notes, and we will also be linking to a few articles about the launch so you can learn more. Number four, TikTok just announced a new feature that quite possibly might be what I have been looking for, and that is a little bit more control of the For You page. And it's not in the form of checking off things that you want to see. It's the ability to let the algorithm know what you don't want to see. One of my biggest issues with TikTok, and I think I've asked for guidance and suggestions on this from just about everyone that I know that uses this app regularly, I have an issue with the amount of swearing and potentially inappropriate content that comes through the app. And that's because I don't really watch TikTok on my own. It's something that my daughter and I watch together. Both of us swipe up pretty quickly when it comes to ads and other inappropriate content that's visibly inappropriate, but sometimes we're a good halfway through a video before a torrent of swearing begins or just a level of swearing that I don't want my daughter listening to. As we've watched more, I think that the TikTok algorithm has sensed that and prevalence has decreased over time but not as much as I would like. So this is a welcome change. Now, small changes first. We will soon be able to specify words or hashtags that we don't want to see in our feed, and the algorithm will automatically filter them out. So cool, I'll be able to censor those words, which, let's be honest, that's pretty easy to get around with LeetSpeak and other character replacements, and people already do that when posting on TikTok. But the other controls sound like they'll do a little bit more. First, content levels. A way to rank video content by quote-unquote thematic maturity. This is something that will automatically help reduce mature content being shown to younger users. Love that. And the second is interesting as well. An identifier for problematic viewing habits. 
This filter will identify videos that are problematic in bulk. So videos about dieting, content that's related to depression, those kinds of videos. Once the algorithm identifies that content, it will actually cut down on it being shown again rather than showing more of it. And according to reports, all of these features are ready to roll out. We should be seeing that update coming through in the next couple of weeks, so be on the lookout for that. And I should probably mention here as well, TikTok does have a not interested button that you can use on content. All you have to do is long press on the video and the option to select that will come up. So if you find that you're getting content that just doesn't match up with what you want to see, that is a potential solution as well. And yes, I have used that feature before. No shame in that whatsoever. Number five, this Sunday is World Emoji Day. And surprisingly, this year marks the smallest number of new emoji recommendations ever made with just 31. Most exciting to me, a plain pink heart. That will give the sparkly pink heart a run for its money as far as my usage goes. Other notable selections include the shaking face emoji, high five hands, a moose head, a jellyfish, and a hyacinth flower, to name a few. New recommendations will be finalized in September of this year, and then they will roll out in 2022 and 2023 when the Emoji 15 update comes to various platforms. We will have a link to an article in the notes about the new emojis that have been proposed, as well as two podcast episodes on emojis that I have enjoyed listening to in the past. The first comes from Not Past It, and it is the origin story of the emoji. Host Simone Polanin traces the history of emojis back to their creation and then forward to where we are today. The second is a 99% invisible episode that details the process of recommending a new emoji, and fun fact, anyone can do that. So if you'd like to learn more about emojis, you will find those links in the notes. Rupel recommends. I can't say that I have much news other than it is finally the day that Zombies 3 comes out. So that is a lot of what we will be getting up to today. If my daughter hasn't already watched it two or three times by the time I'm done for the day. But that is all we have this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. 